friends, and welcome once again to But I Digest. My name is Hans Rufert. And my name is Steve McDonough. On every episode of the podcast, we like to feature a specific food, harvesting the tender green pods of its history, meeting its multinational heroes, and celebrating all of its glorious hoopla. And our topic this week, which I'm very excited for, is okra. Okra. Uh, I really thought you were going to work in like checking out its slimy history or something. Oh, no, but you didn't want to get the word in slimy. I don't. We'll, we'll get to slimy. Do I don't want to start with that. I love All right, okra. People, I don't, want don't, people... don't go away. We're going to get to slimy. We're going to get promise. there. Yeah. Don't. Don't. I don't want people to think. Oh, I hate okra. We're going to get excited about okra. But I'm. Okay. I'm doubly excited today because not only do I. I would love to petition to be the uh, the the mascot for okra. Um, <laughs> I love it. But that voice that you just heard, that laugh, is really one of, <laughs> I, just an amazing human being and an expert on okra uh, and she is really one of the nicest people it represents the south beautifully well uh, she is a james beard award-winning cookbook author television personality motivational speaker a social media influencer an inspiration to me and anybody that that knows her um, and her cookbook bon appetit y'all sits prominently in my kitchen right next to the new old bar by steve mcdonough uh, so please welcome to the show chef virginia willis Oh my gosh, what an introduction. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, listen, oh, it's I, so great. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited. I have your okra cookbook. I mean, you literally have written the book on okra. Um, and again, I, I give kind of a self-professed kind of an okra uh, expert. But then when I got your book, I thought, well, I I'm, I guess I dabble in okra now. Um, and I and we've already, Steve and I, in preparation for the show, we've already accidentally said the word Oprah a couple times. Oh, so I, yeah. I feel like that's going to happen. So let's just get that out of the well, way. Well, I have to tell you guys, that's what happened. Whenever, when the book first came out and I said, I wrote a book on okra, everyone got all excited. They're like, <laughs> did you get to meet her? I'm like, Oprah, the green vegetable, not Oprah, the yeah. African-American media. Yeah. Also an influencer in her own right. Very um, much an influencer. <laughs> w- wouldn't it be cool if, if you could cook okra for Oprah? That would be awesome. I would love to cook yeah. okra for Let's Oprah. Let's work on that. Let's work yeah. on that. Remember when Letterman hosted the Oscars and he introduced Oprah to Uma and he thought it was the funniest thing ever and it was the worst <laughs> joke and he wasn't invited back? Do you all remember that? That's awesome. I don't remember that, but I could see that that would not go over. Oh, and I know we I digress. But oh, good. I, I understand. <laughs> Just in case you gentlemen have the opportunity, Oprah prefers to be addressed as Mrs. Winfrey. Oh, Just going to give you that heads oh, up. Going to give you that heads up if you Got it. find yourself when the time in, a, comes. in a line. And I was like, oh, look, there's Oprah. Say, hey, Ms. Winfrey, how you doing? We fed her here in Chicago, but she uh, she didn't talk to me, so I didn't get an opportunity. To say <laughs> no, that, thank no. you. Well, I've only heard nice things, but but back to back to our slimy green vegetable, our crunchy green vegetable. There we go. You want to prepare it? Crunchy, crunchy. That's that's crunchy. what I want to I want to focus on. Well, uh, as per usual, I I love plants. I'm a plant nerd, and so we're going to start with you know the the Latin name of okra and kind of go down that road. It's a it's a fun one. It's called Abelmuscus. Esculensis, Esculensis. Uh, like yeah, exactly. It does sound like I just cast a spell. Uh, <laughs> it's not a slimy spell, Steve, before you say that. Um, but okra is part of the mallow family of plants, which you've heard of marshmallows, right? So I think most people don't realize that marshmallow uh, is an actual name of a plant, not just a squishy white uh, dessert thing. Uh, but it's also in the same family that includes cotton, hollyhocks, and hibiscus. And if you've ever seen okra in bloom, it looks, I mean, you, it's got this beautiful open flower, uh, bright yellow with a sort of a deep purple center. 
it looks like a beautiful hibiscus because that's essentially what it is. Um, and it's it's known by many names, uh, including Ladies Fingers, Quingombo, Okro, Bamia, Bamier, Bendy, which is what I look for anytime I eat in an Indian restaurant. The first thing I look for is do they have Bendy? Love it. Uh, and of course, the word gumbo, which is a West African word also for okra, as well as the name of the famously delicious Creole stew that features okra as one of its primary ingredients, which is different everywhere you go, but I, it always has okra as that binder in there. And as a plant, it's believed that okra probably originated somewhere around Ethiopia or Eritrea, uh, and it was cultivated all through uh, that region. And, and, and we have history that the Egyptians cultivated in the uh, 12th century, and it sort of spread throughout North Africa and the Middle East. And the seed pods were eaten cooked the same way we do, but they also toasted and ground the seeds to make ochre flour, which was used to make sort of breads and as a thickener. So it was used for that as well. Huh. But I also found a neat little side shoot that you can make a coffee substitute uh, out of ochre seeds, which I'm excited to try. And so apparently, like when the trade routes were being disrupted during the Civil War and coffee beans were becoming really scarce, People turned to things like dandelion root and chicory, but also they incorporated roasted okra seeds. And the notes I found, it apparently has a flavor like a cross between toasted popcorn, toasted nuts, and black tea. So I never thought about drinking toasted popcorn, but it uh, doesn't sound terrible. Maybe I'll have to try uh, some, I some okra. I don't know if I'm on board. Well, we'll see. Oh, I have to tell you, you got, you're making me think about this, um, Hans. Uh, Oliver Farms here in Georgia, they make okra oil. They oh. do a pressed okra oil, artisan cold pressed okra oil. And oddly enough, it's got a little spice to it. Wow. He's just using like regular Clemson spineless okra pods, right? That would be normally like planted seeds that could be planted, but he's right. crushing them. But what's interesting is the oil has a little bit of heat. Um, and then of course he's got the byproduct of making the oil, which is okra flour. Nice. And he has it in different consistencies, and it's it's pretty gritty. Um, I, I I feel like uh, you know, there are all these like supposed health properties about okra, and I, I feel like that the um that the grittiness of the remaining flour would actually be like a good body scrub. Um, oh wow! But, uh, there there is a distinctive flavor to it. I don't know about toasted popcorn, but um, it's vegetal for sure. Uh, but it, it is an interesting flavor that I, I can't you, I can't pinpoint it that it tastes a lot like something else. So I think those three that you suggested are good. Did you make anything with it with the flour? With the flour? No. I mean, I've, I've, I've tried. Right. Like just adding it. You know, it's not going to have any gluten. So it's obviously not good for 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 baking, like typical baking and stuff. Mm -hmm. I have added it to to quick breads, like pulling out some of the flour and putting in um, replacing it with the okra. Um, I'm, I'm not, I haven't yet discovered a use for the byproduct of okra flour, but I have to say, I love the okra oil. It is, it is incredible. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to put a link to that. I'd, I'd love to yeah. try that. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's this beautiful, beautiful, like, uh, pinkish gold color, um, um, very, uh, yellow, yellow, pink, gold. And like I said, it's got a little bit of heat and it's a beautiful gentleman. It's a beautiful finishing oil, mm. right? Because you put that those like really beautiful, bright golden drops on a plate and it like say with like a summer succotash or something, and you've got the white plate and the explosion of color with the succotash. It's really cool. Sounds like it would be good on a charcuterie with cheese, maybe. Yep. 
Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, right. it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's a really cool thing that he's making. Nice. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, I'm excited. We're going to have to look that up for sure. So let me back up just a bit and talk about how okra came to the Americas or how we believe it did. Because there's, uh, you know, no one was kind enough to write all this stuff down in history, right? It wouldn't be nice if somebody just kept notes. So a lot of this gets lost to, uh, to history. But we believe that it came to the Americas by way of South America. Now, there's, there's sort of always been this connection with, uh, obviously, as the African. The, on the timeline, we see that as the enslaved Africans came to the U.S., is about the same time we see okra showing up. But the, the, you know, it's not necessarily a straight line from Africa to the U.S. They believe it really came through South America because, you know, a lot of uh, of the enslavers were really also African people. There were a lot of African enslavers as well as uh, enslaved, not exclusively, obviously, but there were. And so it's believed that in Brazil, there were some colonies that basically became almost like outposts for African slave traders. And we see sort of first documentation of okra coming through Brazil and then working its way up through the Caribbean islands and then from there over to the southeastern United States, along with cotton and peanuts, which also have their roots in in Western Africa. So those three uh, obviously very important crops throughout the southeast basically came with – um, you know, so there's a bit of a dark history with there, but, um, you know, with a lot of foods, you know, you, you have to kind of take that as, as, as what it is, but it has really become a, an integral part of, of the South. And that's what I love about okra is not only, I mean, it's a great metaphor, right? I mean, it's this thing that binds because it has this sort of stickiness, uh, but it also, um, it has been sort of like the U.S. as a melting pot for people. Okra has found its way across continents and now has grown pretty much across the world. You know, um, so with that, I'm going to kind of turn just, it over. I'll take a moment for I mean, that, that oh, yeah. little binding across the across the continent, or at least binding the South together. Well, That's I'm, very I'm nice, Mr. To, Butler. I'm trying to turn slimy into a positive, Steve. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I, mean, right, I got one for you. Oh, yeah, uh, so for when, I, when I wrote the okra book, they didn't want me to use UNC Press. wasn't keen on the word slimy. Sure. And you you can't oh, slimy is the elephant in the room, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's what okra lovers don't mind it. Okra haters hate it. So they didn't want me to use the word slimy. They wanted me to use the word mucilaginous. Yeah, that's exactly. It's a horrible it's word. Worse, yeah. right? <laughs> Don't you think that's worse? It's much worse. It sounds like a, a medical malfunction. Oh, mal- sure. You know, that yeah. sounds like a terrible thing that needs a pouch or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, you need oh, a, my God. I've got to change my mucilaginous. Yeah. When you're writing and you're typing and suddenly you have to, your fingers cramp up as you're going M-U-C-I-L-A. <laughs> it's like when I catered, I always had to stop dead to write the word hors d'oeuvre. Oh my God, hors d'oeuvre was a killer. So <laughs> I, I I feel your mucilaginous. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully yeah. not too much. <laughs> Well, Virginia, you talk talk to us about your uh, your history with uh, with okra and how uh, obviously how it how it kind of stuck to your life. Uh, it, 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 well, it, it the, the vegetable. Honestly, my grandfather uh, had a garden growing up. My mom had a garden when when I was growing up, and we always had okra. And okra, my grandfather had a fresh. Um, we had fresh produce all the time. We put up. We canned. We froze. We we went to the local canning plant. Like you know, it was just part of my life. And so okra was part of my life. And from a very early age, I liked it. I've always liked it. I liked it boiled or steamed, simmered, fried, you name it, right? Yep. And raw so, too, straight from the garden. Yeah. I love well, to eat it. Well, I have to tell you, I didn't have it raw until I was a full grown adult. And oh. I was with Charlotte Swansea at the farmer's market, it used to be at least in Virginia Highlands. And 
she picked up a pod and ate, ate it raw. And I like, I looked at her like, wait, what? And then now, and then I ate a pod and then now I slice it all the time in salad. So I've always loved it. And um, the book, where the book came about, Okra, it's a part of the Savor the South series. So UNC Press has this wonderful series where they celebrate all these Southern ingredients. And I asked, I specifically requested okra, you know, and this was like pecan was still available. <laughs> bourbon was still available, like all these other, but I thought, you know, I want to write about it because it, it was a, um, it's a vegetable that I've always loved. And then as I grew as a cook, it continued to fascinate me because okra, like you said, okra has, okra has a, an indelible connection with slavery. It, it went where slavery went. So it, it's in South America, it's all throughout the Caribbean, but also uh, it, it, it's a very hot, it's, it requires a very hot climate. So re researching this book, uh, there's Greek okra, there's uh, Middle Eastern okra. Of course, we know there's Indian okra. So there's basically like this okra band, much in the way of, you know, like say vanilla or cocoa almost, um, because it requires uh, so much heat and so much such a long day. So I just, uh, when, when the UNC Press approached me about writing a book, I started to do a little bit of research and I was like, yes, this is the one I wanted to do because I wanted to highlight not only the recipes from my Southern heritage, uh, I also wanted to highlight some of the global recipes uh, featuring okra as, a, as part of the cuisines. Yes. Nice. What's, uh, if you were going to make me something today? Now, okay, spoiler alert. Uh, I grew up on, you know, in New Jersey, so I'm not part of, part of your Southern yeah. heritage. <laughs> and I've never really understood okra. So if mm -hmm. I were over at your house today, Virginia, and I can probably be there in about an hour and a half. Okay. Um, what okra dish would you make me? To make so me I have, I have a really sneaky little, uh, I have a gateway. I have the okra gateway drug <laughs> for you. I love that. Okra gateway drug, there's two. One involves alcohol, one does not, okay? So the one involving alcohol, we'll start there. If you show up after five o'clock, I'm gonna serve you a martini uh, with pickled okra bobbing in it, right? Cause yeah. you, can't, you can't beat that. Um, pickled okra, if the, the thing about the slime has a lot to do with acid and has a lot to do uh, with, with many different things, salt and things like that. But pickled okra is crunchy. And if people like pickles, then they're very likely to like pickled okra because the slime factor is not there. The second sort of okra gateway, and I feel like a lot of people have been turned on to this in the past you know, decade or so, is to grill it. So oh, it's yeah, huh? grilled okra, or if, you, if it's not the right kind of weather for the grill, mm -hmm. um, instead of doing it on the stovetop in a grill pan, what I would suggest is to broil it. Um, and so broiled, just what I normally do if I broil it or grill it is I'll take some fresh pods. Um, I give them a fresh trim on the stem end. I leave the caps on. So cutting them as little as possible, toss them with just a, a minimum amount of oil or spritz them with nonstick spray, toss, 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 pepper. And then if I'm grilling them, what I'll often do um, Steve, is I'll often uh, skewer them with slices of jalapeno pepper. Mm. And so grill the okra with uh, slices of jalapeno pepper and just season them with salt after the fact because you don't want them pulling out any of that moisture out, aka slime out. Um, and a lot of people, I feel like that that's the 
Um, it's a good vegetable dish for people to start with, with okra. And the, the most important part about that is if you were going to come over for supper tonight and I were serving you the grilled okra is for me not to overcook it. I really want to keep it al dente. That's what's going to leave it um, crisp and vibrant and a brighter green. And it's going to be everything that the okra haters don't like. The slime, the yeah. soft, the, the mucilaginous part. You know, <laughs> when, you grill, when you grill it and you sort of flash grill it, you just get this really yummy, um, just verdant green vegetal taste uh, that's, that's bright and refreshing. We will definitely that. try that. It made me think when you were discussing it, made me think of uh, shishito peppers, yeah, the way people are exactly. just kind of blistering them yeah, and putting a big kinda, plate yeah. on the table. Yep. Yeah. All right. I'd eat that. Yep. I'd eat that. Yeah, I always, like I always tell people I, I don't cook okra. I threaten it. Um, <sighs> so and that that seems to work. And obviously, as you mentioned, the more you cut it, the more of that slime or sometimes it's called roping, which is also a polite way to say it. Uh, but if you don't cut it, leave it intact. So a, a neat hack that I learned, which doesn't always work, the, the pods have to be really small, which is what you're supposed to. I mean, if you know, Virginia, from picking them, if you go out in the garden, you think these are almost ready to pick, you go back six hours later and they're too big. Like they grow fast, right? So you got to yeah. catch them right at that perfect size. So if, but if they're kind of the size of your pinky, you can get a carpenter's pencil sharpener, right? Which is a fat pencil sharpener and take the stem end of the okra, put it in the fat pencil sharpener, give it a twist. And that is the perfect tool for leaving that end intact, but it, it kind of it works perfectly. Right. And I, I don't remember where I picked that hack up, but at Home Depot, they gets like a buck for it's like a little fatter pencil sharpener, put the back end of the okra on there, give it a twist, and it leaves it intact without without it being woody on that side. So there's my free that's tip of the day. Cool. No, that's yeah. good. But I will say this, this is one thing I want to point out, most of which we see in, in the farmer's markets, frankly, and in, definitely in the grocery stores, uh, typical American grocery stores, is a, a varietal called Clemson Spineless. Mm -hmm. And that is the, the that is the, the standard. The 98%, right? Yeah. That is like the most of the okra. So that okra very specifically needs to be smaller and thinner. And if it is allowed to grow to be too large, it will be tough and woody. However, there are other, there are other varietals I was actually just talking about one last night. I think it's called Louisiana cowhorn. And if you can imagine, it's long, like a foot long wow. and, and curled like a steer horn. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's about as big around as a finger, but it's super long. And even though it's long like that, it's very tender. Nice. Um, there, are, there are also uh, both red and green, red okra and green okra that's short and squatty like a cigar, like hmm. really short and squatty. And you think, oh my gosh, it's going to be so tough and it can be tender. So it really, it really depends, but you're exactly right. The vast majority of the Clemson spineless um, must, be must be picked or chosen um, when it's uh, young and tender. Yeah. So if if I were at your house and you were using the Louisiana, are you, are you inviting yourself over to Virginia's house? Yeah, I'm like, like this is the second ever. time. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, Hans, she has already referred to me as y'all, and you don't, and <laughs> and she says it in in the best. No. Call me, call me, call me y'all right now. <laughs> Go ahead. 
So oh my years. god, no, I'm like red now. Virginia, call me y'all. What do y'all want? Oh, uh, see that? <laughs> and I will tell you, watching your watching your videos too, it's that's she's covering her face. Everybody's totally covering her face. <laughs> You're matching my red link yep. behind me. I can see it. But also it's not just that, it's your whole O vowel, the way you say, I was watching you do eggs and you said yolk. And I was like, listen to that. It's, it's just the best accent. <laughs> yeah, anyway, if accent. I'm at your house and you do make the Louisiana cow horn, all I'm thinking is you're going to need a huge freaking martini glass. <laughs> that. Yeah. So I'm there. We'll have to like work a pitcher, on that. Right? Like a pitcher. <laughs> just a whole pitcher. There you go. <laughs> what are those sippy straws? Mm hmm. Sounds good. Okay, so before we were talking, and Virginia told me that she has her top 10 slime reducing tips. Right, everybody, this is the point when, you know, you and I chat, and I always think there are certain moments you need to pull your car over. So pull over <laughs> to the side of the road, grab your pen, because here comes Chef Virginia Willis, Beard Award winning chef. Virginia Willis and her 10, top 10 slime reducing tips. <laughs> and go. This is really something to be known for. Well, the first thing that I that I suggest, regardless of the varietal in general, you're going to have less slime if you choose small pods. So, and once in saying that the Clemson spineless is, is the majority. So the first thing we're going to reiterate is that people need to choose small pods. When they wash it, it needs to be washed and dried very, very much, very carefully and very thoroughly. So put it in a colander, spray it with cold water, and then pat it with a pat it with a kitchen towel so that when it goes into the hot pan, it's dry. The third tip is to cook whole pods instead of using chopped okra. Um, anytime you chop it, anytime you slice it, you're going to you know, release, break those cell walls and start releasing that, that mucilaginous stuff. <laughs> so you want to use whole pods instead of chopped okra. Uh, for the fourth one, if you need to chop it, it's, it sounds a bit silly, but wipe the knife clean between slices. So you might get a couple of slices and then wipe your knife clean and then, and then keep going. The fifth tip and this is where we start to cook and this one is the one that really starts where the science starts to happen and things are start really making sense is adding a little bit of acid mm. so when you're cooking okra to reduce the slime you can add tomato lemon juice vinegar wine but just some sort of acid will help mitigate that uh, slime factor the sixth one, don't overcook it, right? When you overcook it, you're really breaking down the cell walls and that's gonna make it uh, mushy and slimy. Uh, another one is to not crowd the pan. Um, another one is uh, to cook it over quickly as possible over high heat. So a quick okra is perfect for a, a quick grill, a quick saute, um, but try to leave it just tender enough to eat, but still as bright green as possible. Don't cover it, right? That's going to steam it. That's right, right. Turn it that army, uh, army drab color. Um, and then, and this is sort of a sh very much a chef tip. If okra is a component of a dish that needs to cook a long time, what you can do is to actually cook the okra separately to its proper temperature and then fold it into what are your, whatever you're cooking. Well, isn't it also true that you, um, this might be number 11, that you can <laughs> trade okra instead of purchasing it? Like I've just heard about this guy like trading a sack of okra for a stolen girl. I'll give you a sack of okra if you steal me the stolen girl. No, oh, no. do you not know that? This must be- Do you be... not know that it's time oh, for no. us to the strike down? 
<laughs> yes. That would be a, that has to be a damn good girl for me to want to trade a sack of okra for her. This is still uh-huh. straight guy. Here we go. You know, how's your Broadway trivia? I'm 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 pretty bad about that. Okay, well here we go. (laughs) So there's a song in this musical. This is a heavily bluegrass musical, y'all. Opened in 1975 on Broadway. Lyrics by Alfred Urey and music by Robert Waldman. It is set in 18th century Mississippi. It's a darkly southern uh, fairy tale involving a charming gentleman bandit a rich plantation owner's daughter that he loves, the wicked stepmother who wants her dead, and an evil thief who carries his brother's head around in a trunk. Songs are Poor Tied Up Darling, Steal With Style, Sleepy Man, and this is where he he says, I'll give you a sack of okra, and he says no to that. So he gives him the bag and the okra and the sack and his teeth and a cart full of goat shit and beans and (laughs) and a wooden leg and a rutabaga. And the title is, anyone? Are you making this up? Oh, because there's that, no way there's like, you don't that know is, it at all. That is such a long laundry <laughs> list of things. I mean, wow. That was written by a, that was written by a mouth northern is literally person. open. I mean, uh, well, I'm just stuck on the word fairy tale because nothing of what you just said makes me think fairy tale. I'm just going to say uh, plantation in 17th, 16th, 18th century Mississippi pretty much sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, especially with there's, yeah. a, there's a sack of goat shit in there somewhere. All right, yeah. wait, wait, what's the sack name? No, he won't tell, tell us the you, name. You're going to have to. This is where people go online and have to have to chime in with their brilliance because we don't know what he's talking about. That's right. I got got the Google, too, you know. No, you can't say it. You can't can't cheat. Hans, is there any way you could possibly know this, Hans? I mean, listen, I I really don't know if it's not if Deliverance wasn't a musical, right? Uh, And then what's the other one? Yes or no, Hans? Is there any way you could possibly know this? No, I don't know this. There's no no way you could possibly know this. Okay, so if you know this musical, please go to our Facebook page where we will play Stump the Straight Guy together. Put down the answer. Let Hans know what it is. And I can't wait to go back. To, to visit you again next episode and tell you what the answer is. If you were paying attention, last week's was uh, a Terrence McNally musical was The Full Monty, and Hans got that oh, one I did correctly. get that one right. Yep. But again, there was no way you could know what this one was, huh? I mean, I feel like I should, but no, I don't. That's fine. Okay, so I'll go on about okra. So I was doing a little studying <laughs> with okra, as, as I am wont to do, and I was finding out about this okra festival outside of columbia in irmo south carolina have mm-hmm. you either of you been there no you're nodding have you been there i've been to irmo but i have not uh, through you know through irmo right it's like that and um but i have not been to the okra festival okra strut it is they have the biggest and longest running parade in the state of south carolina they have two okra eating contests where all of their okra is fried because an organizer said fortunately it's not boiled which is what we used to do to require them to eat. We were losing people. They refused to eat it. Plus, it sometimes makes people sick, and that's not the best thing to happen on your main stage. Oh, no. Uh, That's a different kind of of strut. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a little drama. There's a little okra strut drama. Uh, The town barely breaks even after hosting the event, but in 2014, they lost about $34,000. And the sheriff's department opened an investigation at the request of the mayor. Here's a quiz. Uh, Also... Um, you should know Virginia Hans loves when I do quizzes. <laughs> I loved the mayor's name because he is named after not one, but two fast food chains. Is his name A, Hardy King, B, Wendy McDonald, C, Carl Culver, or D, Fuddrucker Whitecastle? 
<laughs> oh, I wish it was Fuddrucker Whitecastle. <laughs> I, I, if I want to have more children now, so I can name my fourth Fuddrucker Whitecastle. Virginia, what do you think? Hardy King. You're right. You're right. Hardy King is his name. Nice. So basically, <laughs> they overpaid their vendors. So the vendors get paid based on how many tickets they bring in. You know, so you buy your tickets and you give two tickets for your okra. You know, three tickets for your chicken sandwich. But instead of counting the tickets, they uh, put the tickets in bags and weighed them. And the scale was inaccurate. So King said, if you're going to run a festival and use tickets, then you got to count your dang tickets. <laughs> I like your accent, yeah. Steve. That was very good. You've, you've been practicing. I was going to give it to one of you guys to say it. Um, <laughs> this year, the Okra Strut will be held September 23rd and 24th. They're currently accepting applications, Virginia, for participation. I might, I might, I need to, I'm, I'm going to write that down. Hey, road trip, 24. road trip. I know, we'll, let's go, we'll go over there. Hans. You can be in the parade plan. for a hundred bucks. They have an okra queen, which I assume South Carolina that that was Lindsey Graham, but it's not. I'm not sure who it's going to be this year. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Well, That's my first like, Pride I Month I feel kind of like, I feel about Lindsey Graham, how some folks feel about okra. So how about that? Oh, slimy. <laughs> Sorry. And yeah. my favorite thing that they have is a giant inflatable okra man. So it's oh, like this it. big, uh, big okra, but he's got a little face on it. And he's, he's very intimidating. And I, I love it. <laughs> You're going to have so nightmares. I have a piece of uh, folk art, actually, uh, from North Carolina that I got in Greensboro a bunch of years ago. And it's a dried okra pod on a stalk. So the stalk is probably yeah. like two, two feet long. And at the end of it is an okra pod that this artist painted to look like a squirrel. I'm going to send you a picture. Yes, nice. yes I, put that. I forget about my, I don't forget about my okra squirrel. My okra squirrel is literally at my door, but I forget to talk about it because it's just this beautiful little thing. It's this little pod that they, he painted to look like an okra squirrel. It's this crazy. is the podcast to talk about that. I will it's so put that on our podcast to talk this about it. it is. Nice. So, but speaking of folk art, because I was looking up then okra man, because of the inflatable guy, I learned about Arthur J. Robert uh, Robinson from New Orleans. Do you guys know the okra man, Mr. Okra? No, I like the oh, title. No way. Oh, I'm so glad this about is, this. You have no idea. Oh, you, this is going to make you super happy. The, I, I'm surprised you don't know about him. You're going to love him. His name is Arthur J. Robinson. People called him Mr. Okra. He was a fruit and vegetable vendor in New Orleans, because that's what he used to say. He said, I, I ride around the silly, uh, ride around the city selling my vegetable. <laughs> he had this, oh, he was awesome. He had this iconic folk art inspired, uh, like a pickup truck that was hand painted. And uh -huh. he drove around the streets selling vegetables in, uh, in New Orleans for about 50 years. And he had this tinny megaphone system and he would speak, sing his arrival. He'd go, I have oranges and bananas. I have eating pears and apples. I have the the mango. He always said the mango. So you know what, Nat, Natalie, could you sample that? Just put a little bit into the listeners can hear it because it's freaking awesome. Here you go. Take a listen to this. I have oranges and bananas. I have eating pears and apples. I have cantaloupe. I have the mango. I have tangerine. And uh, in fact, Dave Matthews samples him on his song Squirm. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. So it's a very kind of New Orleans cultural history. People sitting at their front stoops and buying from the waffle man or the peanut man or the banana man or the hot yeah. stuffed crab lady. Right. And, you know, 
you people should know by now that I am so going to visit this theme again because when I read about hot stuffed crab lady, I'm like <laughs> mental note. Yeah, I want to um, know more about her too. For that matter, uh, listen. Hey, you need yeah. to subscribe. I know. Because I know. I know. A podcast I think so. you enjoy. Uh, he was a well-known fixture in the Ninth Ward, um, and after Hurricane Katrina hit, devastated you know not just the city but the culture really. His daughter saw this refrigerator left out on the side of the road and on the side was spray painted, please find Mr. Okra, we need him. Oh, wow. And so when he started up again after Katrina, he was riding around giving away free vegetables. Uh, there's a children's book about him and they had these talking keychains that you could get at the local markets where you could press a button and we, he would speak on it. They were so cool. They're completely gone. They don't make them anymore. And I was searching Reddit and no one knows where they are. They'll, I saw one that was sold on eBay this year for $90. So wow. listeners, if you have one, we need to, we need to learn a little more about a, uh, a Mr. Okra keychain and his vegetables. Vegetables. Yeah, that's a collector's item for sure. And I, and you know what, I would, uh, I would gladly take the title of Okra man, um, you know, I know I could never live, fill his shoes, but man, I would be, I would just like an Ochre Man t-shirt. I would buy that yeah. merch. We'll, we'll put some info on there. So the one other thing that we want to talk before we get to recipes, um, mm -hmm. Virginia, you've been saying that, uh, you've had a great weight loss journey recently. Uh, you want to talk about yeah. that? Yeah, I'd love to. Well, you know, uh, I think that one of the things that people think like they, okay, let's just start with okra. So people think that all Southern food is unhealthy. And I've been talking about okra and tomatoes. There's not anything inherently unhealthy about Southern food. There's really not. Now, obviously steamed okra and boiled okra or grilled okra is a lot different than fried okra. And we do have this propensity for frying, but sort of for many years, my, my message has been that all Southern food is not unhealthy that all Southern food is not, you know, gooey butter cake, like on the Food Network. Um, and so, uh, but a couple of years ago, I, I sort of hit a, a point in my life and I just wasn't happy in my body. And I started losing weight and gratefully, thankfully so. Um, this summer, I will have kept off 65 pounds for two years. Wow. So yeah. During the right? pandemic too. That's hard. I know. Well, well, part of it was that I know it's like, I felt like if it didn't go one way, I was going to go the other and I went it, the other. <laughs> yeah. It, like, a lot of folks did, but I had started that. And, and in a way, um, as a cook and as a chef and as an eater, I feel like I've expanded my taste buds, right? I've expanded what I eat and then I've expanded the possibilities of the things that I can do with food. Whereas you know, once upon a time, even with this like wonderful vegetable that I love so much, you know, there were, would have been more limited options, I should say, I would think. And then now that I've changed my taste buds, I've changed the way that I cook, I can still go old school. I mean, I still love, you know, fried okra and things like that, but I, I also appreciate different ways of cooking it. And, mm. uh, and, 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 you know, there's not a direct relation, of course, obviously with my weight loss and okra, but it is part of what I like to share with people now. Yeah. No, that's oh, great. You're so going to, you're going to come to my house when you come to Chicago next, right? Yes, of course. And yes, the whole thing is too, that. like, we're talking about martinis and this, that, and the other. And, you know, my, oh, I make a drink, I make a drink. Yeah. I mean, my approach to it there, I didn't do anything crazy. Like, you know, there's no surgery, no magic pill, no crazy diet that tells me I can't do anything or can't eat anything. So the reason I bring it up is because with my recipes, I've subtly made those changes in my recipes. And so while I do appreciate that some recipes are indulgent and are meant to be indulgent, 
Um, I also know that there are other recipes and at the end of the day, if it tastes good, that's all that matters. No, that's, that's super inspirational. Was, and I, yeah, yes. I, and I love your pose, Virginia. And I, you know, I, obviously I have my own health thing, different right. reasons, but right, right. it, my health struggles have made me such a smarter cook. And I look at yeah. every ingredient as an opportunity now, and I yeah. don't take the shortcuts of heavy cream and butter because right. there are smarter ways to do that where when you push back from the table, you don't feel miserable. And, you know, when, when I first started having to think of food as fuel, it sort of was unromantic for me. I was kind of like, well, yeah. no, I, I, I'm taking away the the sort of pageantry and ceremony of food. But now, it, you know, after all of, all these years of eating without a stomach, it's uh, it has really become inspiration for me that I can now make a kick-ass meal that people can walk away from feeling energized and enthused and not bloated and heavy and lethargic and greasy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, thank you. And you, your, your, your story and your history is definitely inspiration. And I think that, you know, how you started it, some of those, yeah, cream is good. Yeah. Butter's good. Yeah. Olive oil is good. All that's good, but you know, all really, truly all good things in moderation. Right. Yep. Amen. And that on um, that is our perfect transition to Recipes. The only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you cook. So one of the great things about having a guest on from time to time is that I get to take a little break from doing the recipes. Not that I don't love doing them, but I'm excited to uh, to pass the pod uh, over to uh, Chef Virginia. So what do you have for us today? Well, I've mentioned okra and tomatoes a couple of times, and I want to say it is truly one of my favorite height of summer dishes. We're coming into okra season. It's the, you know, it's going to be 98 degrees here in, in Atlanta today. We're uh, coming into okra season. We're coming into tomato season. And, you know, famous, famous words, what, what grows together goes, goes together, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. one of my favorite things to do is just a simple okra and tomatoes dish and um, a little bit, a mod modicum of oil in the pan, um, saute a little onion, um, add a little garlic. I don't like to add them at the same time. I, I cook the onion for three minutes or so until it's clear and translucent. And then I add the garlic. I just cook it until it's fragrant. And then I'm going to pull in some of those tips that are the slime busting tips. Um, I add white wine uh, and reduce the white wine down to dry on the okra and tomatoes. And I can guarantee my grandmother did not put white <laughs> wine in okra and tomatoes. Um, but add the white wine, let it cook down, um, add the okra. And then I like a little, add a little heat. You can add red pepper flakes. If you've got a fresh chili, you could slice that up. Um, you know, that's certainly in season two and you can control as much heat as you like. And then since it's the season, instead of using a canned tomatoes, it's time to use the, the fresh ripe tomato. And I, I, the thing about recipe writing is that, you know, editors want to know the, the, the circumference or the weight or the, mm -hmm. this, that, mm -hmm. or the other. And I'm like four tomatoes that taste good. And if you know, <laughs> yep. about, about the size of your fist and if, uh -huh. You don't have any that big, then grab a couple handfuls of cherry tomatoes. You just want enough to, it's called okra and tomato. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, like 50-50, you're shooting for 50-50 on the ratio. Um, and then I like to add some fresh herbs. I'll add a couple of sprigs of thyme. Um, and then one of my favorite, favorite herbs that I use all the time is um, bay leaf, a fresh bay leaf. And uh, they're increasingly available at the grocery store and at the farmer's market. It, they, bay leaf trees grow down south. But just 
oil, onion, garlic, wine, okra, tomatoes, a little bit of heat, chili if you like it, and some, some nice fresh herbs, and just cook that into tomatoes to sort of soften a little bit, and that okra remains um, crisp but becomes tender. Season it with salt and pepper at the end. Uh, it is a, a, a dish fit for a king or a queen, and it's good on rice. It's good by itself. It can be served like a caponata style the next day. Ooh. Uh, it's delicious. It's just really, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful summer dish. Well, we'll get that recipe on our website. Now, for me, I had thought, you know, okra and cocktails, and uh, I immediately thought, and you stole my thunder here, is how pickled okra can go in a couple of drinks. First of all, the idea of using it with uh, in a martini. I don't like vodka martinis because they don't taste like mm -hmm. anything. But if somebody, if I don't have a choice, I'm going to have a vodka martini. I like it dirty because then, you know, that you're getting the brine, which at least is making it, it's giving it more of a mouthfeel and giving it, making it a little heavier. And I enjoy that. So uh, if you're using it in your martini as... Virginia was saying, put a little of that okra brine into there too and make it dirty. And it's also wonderful in a Bloody Mary. I mean, it's going to be great. Same thing. Give it a little splash of that okra brine. Um, the one tip that I really wanted to use, Virginia, you mentioned as well, is the smaller ones are always going to be better for a cocktail because you don't want to give a guest anything with the, with just stupid large uh, garnish. And I know that that sometimes can be a fun thing if you're out on vacation in Malibu or whatever. But if you're at your house, don't make your guests deal with something like really large that they don't know what don't know what to do with if they're not going to eat it. So I'm going to cheat and I do have um, a recipe, but I'm, I'm let's just stick with Virginia, who now I know has it in her book. So could we use your pickled okras too for my uh, for my cocktail? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Y'all can you use wrote the book. I mean, what do I know? <laughs> yeah. You wrote the book. Yeah, no. You know, and it's easy. It's, I think that the one that's in the book is a quick pickle, which yes, means you don't have to get out the canning kettle. You don't have to do anything. It's literally, you can make one jar. Just have a bunch of okra in a jar. Yeah. And that's a vinegar and pour it over. It's literally just that simple. If you can boil water, you can make a pickle. That's yep. Awesome. And it, it's a great summer tip too with your leftover veggies uh, that you can just make a quick pickle and put it out with dinner the next day. Well, we listen to it at, at our burger restaurant all the time. While we're talking recipes, I do have to mention that uh, Georgia Magazine asked me to do an article on okra and not Oprah on okra. And uh, so uh, I kind of told a story about my grandmother and you can we'll, we'll share that article. It's actually came out today. But Virginia was nice enough to share a recipe on that. And our friend Anupi, who was on the, our show oh, yeah. recently, also I shared uh, yeah, shared an, a recipe for that. So we'll put a link to that Georgia Magazine article. Um, again, I think it came out today. Um, so it's for the June issue. So I'll make sure we put a link to that article up as well. Well, as always, if you want to check out these recipes, and I really hope you do, you're going to find them at our website, budidigestpodcast.com. If you want to email us, you know, mainly to just tell us like that it's going really well and that we should just keep going, guys, a little, little, little boost. Do that at budidigestpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at budidigestpodcast, as well as TikTok, which we are now starting. Oh, no. Oh, my God. God bless you, Ben. Oh, we, oh, no. oh, we just got back from the <laughs> podcast festival and everybody's like, 
you, you gotta have TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. Anyway, also on our website, you're going to find a link to Hans's lines of spices as well as a link to download my cocktail book, The New Old Bar. We have extra special thanks today because we have to thank not only our web designer, Hewitt Rabel, our editor, Natalie DiCicco, special music by Corey Goodrich, our theme music by Brian Reyes, but mainly who do we need to thank, Hansel? Uh, Miss Virginia, it was just a delight. Uh-huh. Such a delight. Such a delight. Oh, and what's your, what's your website? Awesome. Oh, people can find out more than anything, more than they want to know about me if they go to my website, virginiawillis.com. Nice. This, this is... <laughs> Highlight. Give me the name of your of of your southern cooking that that one in particular the bon appetit. What's the name of that? Bon appetit, y'all. Did you hear her say y'all again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> it. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you had fun, folks. Review our show. Make sure you're telling your friends. Uh, are we done here, Hans? I think we are done. Thank you, Virginia. Ah, uh, y'all, thank you so much. What a great, great time I've had. This is wonderful. Eat more okra! Amen. Oh.